Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Terry and Steve Brown, how are you? I'm good, Sean. Great to be with you and great to be with everybody out there on the worldwide interweb. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. It's good. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, I'm trying to get in touch a little bit. Your second time back. Um, but you've got a new single out. Second single. But this single, uh, One to Lean On, is is totally jumps out. It totally has a groove. I don't know. I was listening to it today. I'm like, it feels like it. It's t- the chorus is almost timeless. Like I could almost hear it in the 70s, but I could hear it also in the 90s. Like I, I don't feel like it has like almost like almost feels like whatever you do in the beginning music would illustrate what the time period was. But because you have a blues riff to it, I really can't put it anywhere. That makes sense. It totally does, and that's the that's the idea behind it. You know, I mean, ultimately, look as a songwriter, being a songwriter for the last 40 years, I try my best to make timeless music. Now. You know, if you took any of the Trickster songs and just stripped away some of the 80s, let's say, production and just played, you know, a song, just standard rock, still a great song. You know what I mean? Whether it was Give It To Me Good, One In A Million or Heart Of Steel, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But One To Lean On definitely has a a certain timeless quality to it in, um, in the sense that, yeah, it could be old. You know, 70s certainly has a Rolling Stones kind of swagger to it. 70s blues vibe. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, like a classic rock. I mean, like a good big song, not like a yacht rock thing. I'm talking like it's got a good melody. You know, this is what you do. What I really love is it, it has like the chorus and then it has the ultimate chorus. Like it has a pre, obviously it's a pre-chorus and chorus. But to me, I love when you just, when, you, when a song can just raise its game, you're like, this is good. Then you're like, ooh, this is even better. You know what I mean? Oh, well, that's, I mean, as a songwriter, that's what you try to do. And I certainly, you know, at this point in the game, you know, again, getting back to what I was saying before, after writing songs for so many decades, what I'm trying to do now with, you know, the, let's say the second half of my career being that I'm 52 years old now. So, oh man, that hurts saying that 52 same years age. I am literally the same age as you, so. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> But I'm trying to check off the boxes and go like, what kind of song haven't I done? You know, last year I released my first ever single, Where Do We Run? You know, and I think we talked, you know, about that. And that was something, again, that was a kind of a power ballad, but definitely had more of a, you know, a vintage feel to it, if you will. Certainly a little Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd thing. I had never really done that. You know, I've done certainly the big grandiose power ballads you know and that goes to the 40 foot ringo stuff stereo fallout which was you know bombastic and stuff but this is more stripped down and i think the same thing with one to lean on it definitely has that you know uh definitely has that sort of production and you know and the song itself whether i play it on acoustic guitar which i've done it's still a great song and that's ultimately what what it's all about and touching people the message the lyrics the song is about friendship true friendship camaraderie being there for someone when they're at their lowest point in their life and i think you know in this in this world that we're living in sean you, and i don't have to tell you brother you know with this divided nation and not not i'm not getting into politics but just no. the way the world is so effed up what we've lived through over the last two and a half years during the pandemic I think the world needs a song like one to lean on to say, hey, no matter what, 
I'm here for you, you know, and, and, and likewise, you know, I haven't known you that long, but you know, I'm that type of person, you know, and any of my friends and my family know that if there's ever an issue, I'm the first guy who'll be breaking down the door to help somebody else, you know, in a time yeah. of need, you know, so it's really, you know, it's important for me to, again, there, you know, there's always a self-serving is you know element when it comes to songwriting first off man i want everything i do that i release to people to be great and to be fantastic and i think i do that i have a serious um you know uh, a quality barometer and level right. that things need to be on for me to want to release something and um you know and this was one of those man where i did it and you know i released it and the the response around the world has just been incredible and and again that's what it's all about it's not, it ain't about making money because we don't make as songwriters nowadays we're not really making money you know it's about the art and about songwriting and, and helping people and reaching people and and giving the best that you can you know i think uh, a couple things on that a i do think is what's going on everyone just needs to get together and I think the more positive music across the board in, in most genres. And that this this song actually covers a couple of genres, actually. Yeah, it does. Needs needs to get together. And, and I'm gonna say the two things I think it always kind of makes me think of this with, with musicians is two phrases I hate is, is A is guilty music, because there should never be anything such a thing as called guilty music. And, and the other thing is I I hate to hear is 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 this is kind of you can talk about it, is when they say cash grab, when I think musicians are doing cash grabs, makes me crazy because like no one goes to work, you know. At the gas station or at the, you know, so and so company for a called a cash grab. Oh, you're just going to work today for a cash grab. No, you, you have a career and you need to still survive. You still have bills and kids. And like, so the phrase cash grab or, or they're working, oh, they just do that for money or they're doing it for this. Musicians do stuff, certain things. Yeah, because they need to, but they also do a lot of things that don't make money. So when you do other things that people <laughs> say is a cash grab, it's not. It's I, just trying to it, make the yeah. career going. Look, man, that is that is a, a critic and a, and a and a music business, you know, music industry term that is certainly one of the worst. You know, musicians are the last always to get paid. You know, by the time you pay your agent, your lawyer, your manager, you know, whoever. Luckily, I do all of the above most of the time, so I don't have to deal with that. But man, back in the day, no one people don't understand. You know, most people, you know, I mean, I think, you know, nowadays with the Internet and stuff, with the education that, you know, guys like you and, you know, all these interviews that people like me do. I literally went to college for this. So like, to me, I always on. try telling I tell everybody all the time because it makes me crazy that, you know, artists get beat up like this all the time. Yeah, but that's the nature of the business. And if you're not strong enough to, to handle it, you know, you, you shouldn't be in this business because it is, you know, it is the toughest, the entertainment business. It's the toughest uh, business to be in because you're constantly you're constantly being cut down and now in the in this age of you know social media comments and whether you're on blabbermouth or this site or that site you know the comments and look man i love it i read when i'm on a certain website or something and people leave comments man it is brutal but it is hysterical you know to see it and you know look it's all part of the engagement of what you do and look if you do interviews like I'm doing now, or if I'm on social media and I'm doing things and you post, you set yourself up for that. But it's it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. And like I tell everybody, I was late to the game with like social media, man. I just started on Instagram a couple of years ago. Yeah. I was and and YouTube, people people subscribe to him, by the way. Put the yeah, link underneath. All, Go to his all YouTube that. Page. I mean, 
yeah, Steve Brown rocks, please, you know, support, buy, do whatever, stream, do all that stuff. But, you know, and, and look, I, I've certainly, you know, my personality lends itself to do it. And I love it ever since I started. I, I just really, it, it suits me. But um, it it, do, it does come with you know the a holes who are commenting, but that's part of it, and that is that is something I've come to really enjoy about it because it is the comedy, you know, the fact that people spend time to actually say nasty things, and you know, some of them write like they write. Right, right. And some of them are just hilarious, and some of them are like, are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, and some of them are funny, and you know, it's thick skin. But my point, I guess, what I'm saying, like when it's just they say. It's, this band is going out again for cash grab. It's like, it's such a weird term because it's like they're just working again. They're literally just making music, and if they make popular and then music the song, yeah. Why? It, it's just a weird term. It's like if, if you don't like the band anymore or you don't like the way they've aged, that's cool. But it's such a weird thing to label somebody because the band gets back together. I, I, here's here's an easy band to say. They say because the Black Crows got together, just the brothers. It's cash grab. They're playing together, whether you believe in the original band or not. There's no comment either way about it. But I'm saying. Because they say it's the two of them and no one else is a cash grab. No one knows the dynamics of the band. Some do, actually. But the point is, that's how the labels come out, is a cash grab. For, it happens all the time. If you guys got together, half you guys got together, cash grab. Like It doesn't matter who it is. You know? Yeah. Well, and you know what? I'm happy to take a cash grab because I love cash. You know, most of the time, though, it's direct deposit and check. So you, know, you can't, you can't <laughs> be hiding deposit. Much anymore. You know, I, I run a legit business here. Brownstone Music, 30 years of music publishing and entertainment services. So watch what you say. Well, and that, that's the whole thing, actually, I'm saying, because that was the whole point of that whole thing, because you do a lot of things and, and like you do acoustic trickster, which is great, you know? Yeah. It's, it's 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 no drama. It's just guys that like the music you've written, doing it with mutual band members that enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, that's it. it There's nothing more to that. It's it started a year ago, kind of by accident. You know, uh, PJ's been playing. You know, PJ and I have been playing with Eric Martin since like 2017, 2017. The comedy troupe. What's that? The comedy troupe. Oh, the, we are certainly a comedy troupe. Well, it's like I say all the time, Sean, you know, music is how we make our living, but comedy is our real passion in life, you know? <laughs> and it's, a, you know, hey, look, laughter is the best medicine when you spend a lot of time on the road. We learned this back when we went on the first Trickster tour back in 1990. PJ and I and the guys, we watched Spinal Tap 30 days in a row. Because we, you know, we just, it was the funniest thing and it just hit with us and we had every line memorized and we just laughed and we continued that, you know, hey, look, when you're in a band named Trickster, you better be pretty funny, you know, so I like to think all of us, even, even some of the knuckleheads in the band who don't have much of a sense of humor, they were pretty funny, but PJ and I certainly gravitated and especially movie humor you know whether it's yeah. caddyshack meatballs spinal tap we knew every line to every word every joke and then you know that goes into later in life where a couple of years ago pj and i were playing with jim brewer the great comedian our good buddy you know and yeah. having, having so much fun playing with him you know you just we would just laugh for 12 hours when we were at the gigs in rehearsal it was just constant like we couldn't even rehearse we hardly rehearsed all we did was laugh you know, but so getting back to it. So Eric and PJ were playing acoustic gigs and last year, Eric had to, he had some problems with his voice and couldn't make a gig. And PJ is like, Hey man, we got this gig open up for warrant. It's going to be a big outdoor festival. Are you available? And you know, Def Leppard wasn't touring. 
So I was like, sure, let's do it. And we went out and did our first, you know, official trickster acoustic duo show with our good buddy, Ben Hands, who's played with uh, Kip Winger over the last couple of years, playing now with Tony Harnell and Anthony Corder from, uh, from uh, Toro Toro. So he's been, he's been great. And, and his wife, Dawn, books a lot of these shows. Ben oh, wow. So it's really cool, but we did it, man. And I told PJ, we kicked ass last year. There's footage of it. And I told PJ, man, I love this. Let's do this because we've never really done, let's say, the proper acoustic shows. And it right. gives us the ability to not only play the songs in an acoustic stripped down manner, which really shows true talent in my brain. Right. Because and a song, and how good a song is too. If you can strip it down. Yeah, well, it gives you a different a, a way to show the songs, play the songs in a different way, but really show the talent and the vocal abilities that PJ and I have. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and people are like kind of surprised who don't really know, and they go, "Wow, man, you're Steve. You're a really great singer, PJ. You're a great singer." And first off, I tell everybody, well, all the trickster stuff, I sang all of those songs first. Cause I wrote them and basically the way it would go in trickster was I would write the song record, basically the version that you hear on the record, the version of the song. And I would record it on my four track and I'd give Pete the song and say, here, learn it and then take it to the next level. And that's basically what he did. So I sang all those songs first, you know, you could, you know, the, the original give it to me good demo from 1989 is online. You know, you could hear it. And, and so that's really, you know, I'm singing my songs and uh, putting a little bit of a twist on it, but I don't really need to change anything because that's pretty much the way I wrote them. You know, in a song like Surrender, you know, that's a song that Bill Ray and I wrote um you know in the studio yeah. so to sing that song you know and, and then that and surrender for instance was a song and i tell the story so the acoustic trickster thing the really cool thing about it is not only is it the music and i think you've seen some of the footage we I do like a big storytellers thing and that's really the cool part for the fans you know the music is great but to hear some of these story and stories that pj and i you know telling about you know again talking about how surrender was written and that was a song that was written in the studio um, when we were doing, you know, the first Trickster record, Surrender came from the song In My Arms, which was, you know, the original song. And it was a typical 80s power ballad. And yep. I still to this day think if we released In My Arms as it was, I think it might have been a bigger hit because it was that much more obvious. You know, it was the chorus was, I want you back where you belong in my arms again. You know, we used some of the lyrics, but it was very much like heaven, like, um, you know, every rose has its thorn. It was the quintessential 80s power ballad. But that being said, Bill Ray was the one who was like, man, you know, in, in his southern accent, Bill would go, Steve, man, that is a, that's really cliche, man. We got to do something tougher. That was Bill's line when we were doing the first tricks record. Bill and Jim Ray, who, you know, still to this day are dear friends of mine and, you know, um, were such an integral part of the success of the, you know, making the first tricks record and really taking my songs to the next level. But Surrender 
was one that was completely kind of totally mutt langed, if you will, to where the Def Leppard guys would bring in song ideas and mutt would go, let's change this. Let's take that. Let's do that. And, you know, like making sausage, you know, take everything yeah. and grind it up. And then you come out with something brand new. But Bill was the one, he's like, man, we got to make this tougher. We got to do something cooler with this song, man. Not so, and we were all about it because it was like, hey, man, we, you know, we want to do something different. We don't want to be like everybody else. So he went in and we had the basic, you know, music track done. And then Bill just went in and Bill Ray was a great singer, you know, really bluesy R&B. And he went in and do and did what us producers and singers call is just scatting to where okay. you get up on the mic while the song's playing and just kind of, you know, nah, 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 and sometimes put out some words, you know, uh, words of silence. And he belted out and then he got to the chorus and then he said something like, baby, let's surrender. And I just came running in and I'm like, that's it. Surrender, surrender. And, you know, it was also because, you know, of course, I'm such a cheap trick fan. I was like, well, man, if, if surrender was good for cheap tricks, surrender the title would be great for trickster. And sure enough, man, and we finished it off. And I remember, man, that was one of those moments where I was like, man, Bill is really talented and brilliant because he just went in and basically in one sort of one pass came up with all the melodies and some of the lines, you know, some of the lyrics for the song that wound up, you know, on the record, that hook, baby, let's surrender. That was it. And uh, so we tell those stories and you know, everything else. And it's just really, we just got back from two great shows in North and South Carolina, you know, and I think we did this year, we did 10, 10 or 12 shows. And next year, I think we have, we have that already on the books and we haven't even gotten into 2023. So really enjoying it. Yeah. It's, it's it's, it sounds like it's just a, basically it's a celebration of the songs and tricks. Are nice. <laughs> it you know? is. Yeah. Oh, it's always a celebration with us. Right. And that, that's the fun part. And, you know, originally you guys were doing fun, fun stuff with Eric and you guys can be found on the stage with Eric at times also being goofy. Oh, well, that's, yeah. That's... There's tons of clips on that. I think <laughs> it popped up the other day. You were harassing him. He was trying to play, um, oh, it was one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he messed good. it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, that that was last a... year. We did it. We did a gig together. It was my first ever Steve Brown solo gig with Eric. You know, PJ was out on tour with Fozzie, so we, we, you know, we had to come up with some cool marketing concept. But yeah, you know, and Eric, you know, Eric plays. You know, he's been playing "Give It to Me" good yeah. for years, but you know, for some reason, and it, and I found this out afterwards that uh, for some reason he started playing the song in the wrong key. He started playing an E chord when "Give It to Me" good's a G. And he just started strumming on it. And I was like, you know, we're like on stage and like, I'm like going, like walking up to him and I just let him go because I'm like, you know, I'm like, there's no letting him, you know, there's no stopping him now. There's no stopping him. Let him go. And I just, you know, and then finally he just looked at me and he goes, holy shit, I'm playing the wrong chords. And, you know, here he is in my hometown gig and he's screwing up my big hit. You know, but it was it was great. You know, it was I mean, so those funny. are the moments again. You know, and this is one thing that I'm very passionate about, like Eddie Trunk, and hopefully you are. This epidemic of backing tracks. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah, fucking. You can't. Bands. I can't play. I don't have my laptop. You don't have oh your what? Oh my god! Your lap, dude, what? Like, please. Leave it at home, please. You, you know, can do like, it in the background. Like, like you know, if you have a big performance, 
you can have certain sounds that you can't replicate to keep it a big show, but you need your vocals. Everything has to be live. You can't. Enough with the bands playing the click tracks, playing to their record, playing to the Pro Tools sessions. I mean, I could go on and on. It's neither here nor there. You know, fucking practice more, get better. You know, sing. look on YouTube. There's a, there's a way for all you drummers to play in time. There's a way for all you guitar players. And and singers, you know what, man? Just fucking sing. If you're if you're shitty, that's so be it. If people are buying tickets to see you, at least it's real. You know, there's a I'm lot of bad singers out there in rock and roll that do really good because so they sound like to, themselves. Yeah, but getting back to it, there it was, live rock and roll. And, you know, when we play, PJ and I, we you know, 95% of the time we're pitch perfect, but every once in a while we hit some bad notes. And that's just good to, just to show everybody it's real, man. This is real live performance, live, honest, heart and soul music played live by musicians. And, and that's the best. <laughs> last time I did tell you this when Eric was on he was talking about a song and playing with you guys and he says he goes he said I think his song was Kansas and uh -huh. he was playing it he pulled his guitar to play it and um, you know if you remember this he starts playing this because we wanted you to learn the song he starts playing it and you're like wait a minute that's my song and basically you know what I'm talking about I and then do. he'll sing the it's like in a different chord it's very similar because it has that, 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 that bouncy riff yeah yeah, it, it was, it, Eric was a huge fan of PJ and I, our band 40 Foot Ringo, as were so many people, you know, um, all the 40 Foot Freaks out there, we still love you, we still might do some more 40 Foot music, but he, Eric was a huge fan of that record, and especially there's a song called A Freak Like You on on funny thing and it's a shuffle dan, 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 dan. and hey man he he was inspired by it and it's a great tribute and he owns up to it and when we did it the first time in japan in 2017 he yeah. made me sing uh, a freak like you because he wanted he didn't really want trickster songs he didn't want mr big songs he wanted stuff you know deep cuts from right catalog. and uh it went over great and as does Kansas, but yeah, yeah. That's, um... he, he, he owns up to it. He goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, wait a minute, that's not your song. And he, he plays it and he compares it to. He goes, he goes, does it sound like it? It's not my sweet lord, but yeah. <laughs> he totally owns up to it. It's so you know, Eric. It's funny. It's, it's, it was killing me. Of course, uh, it's so funny though. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I wanted to bring to you last time we talked. It was pretty good. So you actually do though have a record label with uh yeah well we haven't Adam. really made you know, we're we're on a soft opening right now um it's my my dear friend adam reaver from fu tone and i he's been on love him yeah we have a new label that's going to be launching i mean we're sort of in a soft launch right now but uh polymer records you know the class you know the name i know it i know, you know it's where it comes from. but we uh, adam and i own the trademark and we have a label that's going to be launching probably early 2023 and the first release is going to be the double gatefold blue vinyl release of trickster new audio machine um that's so awesome. yeah we're really excited about that and what polymer record is going to you know basically be it's going to be a specialty label it's going to be short run um collectors items type things in nice. the beginning you know we're going to put out new audio machine we're probably going to put out deluxe cd version of it with a bunch of bonus tracks because you know the vinyl you can with a single record you can only do 45 minutes of music right so we'll probably you know in a couple months after the vinyl sells out we're only doing 500 copies 
And when that sells out, then we'll probably put out like the big deluxe CD with, you know, live tracks and all the, all the demos, if you will, from new audio machine. But we're really looking forward to this. And it's a new chapter for me as sort of a music businessman, you know, to, to, to really get into. And it's been exciting and working with Adam again, who's one of my best friends in the world. We've been buds for 30 plus years and we've been working together you know i helped adam build fu tone so this is going to be a great new project great great products by the way people that don't know great products great guitar Uh, stuff it's just like your guitarist at this point you don't know so obviously you don't know your new guitars but go yeah, to the website. Everybody knows about FU, the great, the best locking tremolos in the world and, you know, the greatest accessories to go with it. And um, I don't need to sell it. But, no. you know, again, it's uh, it's a really easy. Eddie Van Halen sound. You can just put you can go to Eddie sound real easy. Everything. Of just, course. The, the bomb. That's it. You know, man. So, so props to so Eddie. It's an exciting time, you know, and again, Sean, at this point in my career, it's about doing things that I haven't done. You know, luckily, I've been blessed with a 30, 35 year plus career and money doesn't dictate what I do. You know, I do things because I want to challenge myself and continuing to grow as a, you know, as a businessman, as an artist, as a musician, as, you know, as a person. So, you know, it's real, it's a really exciting time. So, I want to end on one thing though. You, you, in your, your press release also, you talk about doing one song, two songs. You joke about doing one song a year. Yeah, it's not yeah. a joke. <laughs> Even though I am, I it am would be funny. Comedy. It would be the ultimate long-term joke. It would be, but it's, as a business plan, you have a really good single. It would really be good for you to capitalize on having an album out in the next year. You know, it would, but even you know, in digital again, form. So what I'm doing with one to lean on, you know, and we're like up to like 170,000 streams. That's been the focus. I'm sort of learning about the new music business. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for a guy who still buys CDs and vinyl, you know, it's again, you know, it took me a couple of years getting on social media, really making that commitment. Now I'm making the commitment about learning really about streaming and how to do, you know, deal with playlists and stuff like that. And, you know, luckily I was blessed to be able to get on some of these playlists, especially around the world. And the song has been, you know, taking off and ultimately goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. That's the message here to be able to reach people and change their lives and make each day that they live a better day for them. You know, by by giving them great songs and music that has a message and has something to say. So um, it's been super cool. But yeah, I get it. And look, if somebody comes to me, you know, some one of these labels comes to me with a, let's say, an offer I can't refuse. Look, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pass it up. But the goal is that in 2032, I'm going to have 10, 12, 15 songs ready. And then Polymer is, you know, into the next phase of being a real label. Because again, with the label, Adam and I are certainly, and we do have the funding to be able to, let's say, if somebody comes to, you know, some band comes to the table, a, a legacy band, if you will, and says, hey, man, we got a new record out and we're not getting the kind of offers. We will be able to compete with a Frontiers or a Cleopatra or or whatever label, E1 out there. Maybe not E1, but, you know, to compete if someone right. comes to us and, and is willing to, you know, because, again, we're going to be a very artist-friendly label. Well, that's the big difference. An artist will take less money here for more control here or more respect exactly. here. It's not always about the, the bottom line because 
as every artist learned, not just rock, but from the 80s and 90s, it's not about the money because you'll lose your shirt. Yeah, I mean, end. you know, and again, this is all part of the big plan, you know, and, and also, you know, I just got back from Nashville a couple of weeks ago. I was down there doing my first launch into, you know, the songwriting thing, because at this point in my life, man, you know, I'm not I'm not stupid. I know Steve Brown is not going to be lighting up the real pop charts and the country charts. So it's time for me to get in and throw my songs out there for the country artists and the pop artists. So that's something that's a real thing. I was down working with JT Harding, who's a phenomenal songwriter has got like seven number ones with Darius Rucker, Keith Urban, um, you know, uh, Kenny Chesney, Blake Shelton. I mean, this guy's the real deal who grew up. We're the same age, huge Kiss fan, Van Halen, Def Leppard. We're like newfound brothers, you know, and it, it's really cool when you, you don't really know somebody and you get introduced. And it's like when I, I told him, I said, dude, I've only known you for like 10 minutes, but I feel like I've known you for 40 years. <laughs> Because we speak the same language, the same right. jokes. And he, he's got a great book out, which everybody should check out, called Party Like a Rock Star. It's a songwriter's journey and really also a music business songwriter kind of handbook. So if all you budding songwriters out there, go pick up JT's book. But, you know, I'm going back in February and the doors are starting to swing open for me. So hopefully in 2023, we get some cuts on some of the tunes I'm writing. And um, just really enjoying it, you know, and enjoying this part of my career. And like we were joking about before, Sean, you know, being 52 years old and, you know, this is kind of the second half of my career. I'm yep. really looking forward to making the second half of my career. The next Closer to this side than to that side. <laughs> the best, the biggest and the best, you know, and uh, things are things are really looking looking uh tremendous for the next 20 years you know pj and i say you know pj farley just joined the 50 club if that doesn't oh. make you feel like whoa man he i've known pj since he was 14 maybe 13 years old he was he joined trickster he was he was 16 years old i mean no he's 15. you know i took him to get his driver license now he's in the 50 club with all of us and so me and him joke, man, that this next 50 years is going to be bigger and better than the first 50 years. That's awesome. I hope so. Uh, everybody check out the singles. Let's talk about hit his social media, hit his YouTube. He's got some, not only that, he's got links to Rubik's Cube. There's all kinds of fun things on that page also. Oh, yeah. We didn't even touch that. We could hit that another time. But like Rubik's Cube, underrated, fun, 80s band, lots of 80s. costumes and, and, and humor and, and, and a such a talented list of artists. We couldn't even go over right now. But everyone in there is so talented. I don't even know how the female singer got her hands on the share costume in one of the videos. Where you didn't <laughs> find that from? That probably has oh, a whole man, Cher gave it to us. But also, before we go, Sean, we got to make sure my next oh, tour, please. Wizards, yeah. the Wizards of Winter, the Wizards of Winter, which is, you know, a, a Christmas, hard rock Christmas show inspired, you know, of course, influenced by TSO. And we hit the road starting November 18th down in uh, Lafayette, Indiana and in Prestonburg, Kentucky. And we're going up and down the East Coast, Midwest. We have 21 shows booked. Uh, Greg Smith, my bandmate from Tokyo Motor Fist, Scott and Sharon Kelly, and the whole crew. Manny Cabo on vocals. It's going to be the, the greatest hard rock Christmas show on the road this year. I can guarantee you that. No backing tracks, no click tracks. And, uh, you know, all 100% real Christmas hard rock, rock and roll. You're going to make it up? Actually, throw out. The new Tokyo Motor Fist. Also, people check that one out too. That's really good too. Oh, um, Lions. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, but to not lose track of that. A lot of bands are loving hitting the South around, around the holidays because it's warmer. 
You are a Jersey guy. I'm expecting you to come up more to the north and suck it up. I think we are. I mean, I think we have uh, we have uh, Massachusetts, oh, Pittsfield, yeah. Massachusetts, that counts, yeah. That's, and we have right. uh, we have New Hampshire. I don't know if we have any Connecticut this year, but well, you know, Staten, pretty close, though. Staten Island, New Jersey. Yeah. We're doing the State Theater in New Brunswick on Black Friday. We're doing the Patchogue Theater. Go to wizardsofwinter.com and see all the tour dates. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody. All the links will be there because Steve is going to send them to me after this conversation so I don't miss anything that he wants me to put up, all right? Of course.